Chapter 1 Istanbul, Turkey, January 5, 2007 I held my breath and clutched a worn-out brown leather briefcase to my chest. I was alone in an unadorned hotel room at the heart of Istanbul, not far from the sixth minaret structure of the Blue Mosque. Although a magnificent panoramic view of the Bosphorus and the Sea of Mamara was visible from the window, the room itself was quite ordinary. One king-size bed, a mahogany veneered desk, a television mounted on a wall unit, a cheap, machine-painted framed landscape printed somewhere in Asia to make it appear like an original oil painting, and a carpet that had seen better days, but reeked as if it never had. A sweet smell of yogurt mixed with honey seeped underneath my door from the breakfast that hotel guests were having in the dining room just down the hall of this three-star hotel. A blinking red light on the bulky telephone on the night table indicated a message was waiting, but I didn't give a damn. I was deliberately doing the opposite of what Alex, my Mossad Academy instructor, had taught our class of cadets years before I ended up working for the United States government. I was hoping to attract attention, not avoid it. When you check into a hotel, be aware that the receptionist and the bellman report anything unusual to the assistant manager on duty or the night manager. Always rent a room for a period longer than your intended stay. But take caution. If your room is reserved for a few days and you come with only a small bag, an entry of light luggage is made on the room rack folio. If asked, you can concoct some story why you have no or very little luggage. However, you can simply avoid the problem. If the reservations are for a week, carry a larger suitcase, even if you have to fill it with old newspaper. At this very moment, completing my active measures mission to use a KGB term that stuck in my head was my only priority. I was about to leave behind a briefcase filled with top-secret documents. Leave behind? Well, how about abandon? Just an oversight of an overworked, burned-out senior investigative attorney of the Office of International Asset Recovery and Money Laundering at the U.S. Department of Justice, temporarily co-opted to the CIA for this case. I had no idea why I had thought of active measures, a term usually used to label a media-related disinformation campaign, when in fact I was engaged in a covert action of deceit, subterfuge, and espionage. A huge difference. I was going to do something I'd never done before, intentionally desert documents of the United States government marked top secret, intending that they end up in the hands of FOE, or forces of evil, enemies of the United States and the free world, Iran and Hezbollah, their terrorist subsidiary. I wiped my wet forehead off with the back of my hand, surprised I was sweating, although the air conditioning unit was noisily blowing cool air. My inner heat was blowing my mind and wetting my shirt. Why the excitement? I was working under orders. Were my instructions in writing? No. Given over the telephone. There's a box left for you at the hotel's reception. Bring it up to your room. Inside, there's a briefcase with files. Discreetly discard the box outside the hotel and leave the briefcase in plain view in your room when you go out to dine or run errands. We want it to be stolen. Are the documents really faked? What if they also contain genuine secrets? How much genuine valuable information would the CIA give away to establish a credible deception scheme? What if I'm disavowed?
The voice of the person who gave me the instruction was unfamiliar, although he used the correct code words to identify himself, and I was told to expect his call and follow the caller's verbal instructions. Had that been an entrapment planned by my homegrown rivals? I had to admit that over the years I had collected several enemies, some of them within the bureaucracy. I had learned that friends come and go, but enemies accumulate. I knew I had stepped on sensitive toes of cunning people with elephantine memories and a strong determination to retaliate. Ruthless, they called me, although I'd just been doing my job. I'll be there to see you fall. One of them had sworn to me in ominous anger. What if hell breaks loose and some ageless, balding, and chubby bureaucrat wearing rimless spectacles reads out a statement to a platoon of news-hungry journalists in a crowded press room in Washington, D.C.? The United States denies any suggestion that Dan Gordon's questionable acts were part of any...